Okay, here we go. And a one, a two, a one, two. Welcome to the Beyond the Expected podcast. I'm Alan Ingalls, director of the Stahler Center for the Arts at Stony Brook University, and your guest host of this episode with naturalist, manager of the Marine Sciences Center at Stony Brook University's Southampton campus, Christopher Paparo. Chris has been sharing his passion about Long Island marine wildlife for more than 30 years. Most recently, he's become Stony Brook's marine ambassador to the community on the east end of Long Island and beyond. He knows our waterways like the back of his hand and uses his knowledge to enlighten and encourage the next generation of marine conservationists and scientists. Christopher Paparo, explorer, teacher, photojournalist, mentor, and naturalist, thank you for joining us on Beyond the Expected podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, real excited to be here. A pleasure. Uh, so let's jump right in. Um, Moby Dick is one of the greatest whale tales ever told. Uh, what is your greatest or most memorable marine or ocean observation experience? So it's, I, it's tough to narrow it down to just one. I have to give two because without one, the others don't ever happen. So the first time my dad took me fishing when I was six years old, we went flounder fishing out in Shinnecock Canal. That first fish was what got me hooked <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on the marine environment. If it wasn't for that day, I don't know who I'd be right now. Um, and then that, like I said, has led to every other opportunity. And those, that second one changes as, as the years go on. Um, the most memorable thing recently was last summer. I was with um, my wife. We went out on my boat. We went about 20 miles offshore. Speaking of whales, we came across a bunch of humpback whales that were bubble net feeding, which is something I've only ever seen on TV or read about. And it's where they, they dive down deep. They blow up a ring of bubbles. And then the bait fish get pushed in the center, and then they swim to the surface with their mouths open and just gobble up the food. And it was awesome. It's like I said, it's something I've only ever seen on TV or read in books. So to see it firsthand was truly awesome. Really cool. Um, all right, sea watching or whale watching? Which is the one, and why? Which which is your both? Your baby? Both. Both. Okay. And and one thing with that is because there's so much cool stuff here on Long Island, especially, and with the seasons that we have a change of seasons, which means the wildlife changes. So you don't have seals here in the summertime. So, and you generally don't have whales here in the wintertime. I say generally because, you know, they don't read the books that we write. So sometimes you get whales moving through and seals come through. But um, but you can't see generally seals in the summertime. So this time of year you go out, you look at seals. Once spring rolls around, they get on my boat, I go out, start looking for whales, humpback whales, fin whales, minky whales, dolphins. So both, definitely both. Really cool. Uh, you've been at this for a while. Um, what's been your favorite job experience uh, throughout the course of your career? And that's another that's another one of those tough questions because well, it's what my job that's is what, tough that's questions job. yeah yeah um it changed again it's changed over the years but i gotta say in most recent time in my ch this recent chapter stony brook um a few years back we had a uh, group of 20 u.s uh, u.n ambassadors come out to southampton and get on one of our research vessels and i was the naturalist for the day and i took them around and we we did base explorations like doing trolls and catching fish and using scientific equipment and, and to teach those type of people that were, you know, these are ambassadors of different countries around the world. It was pretty cool. And then got to talk to them and realize that a lot of our problems are the same problems they face on the other side of the world. It's just a different part of the world, but the same exact thing. So you realize you had a lot of bonds with these people. And that was, that was a highlight for me. Yeah. I was going to ask you what your dream job is, but you you may have just answered it. I mean, have you have you realized it already? I know you've been at Stony Brook for about seven years. Yeah, almost seven almost years seven at Stony years. Brook. I was the senior aquarist at the Lawn Aquarium for 13 years. I worked for the Riverhead Foundation for four years, so I've done a lot. So this isn't uh, your first rodeo. No, it's no, and I, and I and I I I love you know I I love every aspect uh, of it you know, but um you know as far as a dream job, 
I'm doing it. You know, I'm definitely doing it. The only thing that would be nicer is if there was, uh, I had endless supply of money. And I could be uh, a naturalist around the world. They don't have that at world. Southampton? We have no. it here on this main campus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, if I could just travel the world and be a naturalist just doing stuff from everywhere would be ultimate. But I, I got it pretty good right now, to well, be honest with you. Looking back at your education, you did your, you did your schooling at LIU Southampton, which now, of course, is Stony Brook University Southampton. Um, what made you select LIU at that time? So growing, growing up here on Long Island, uh, when you heard something about marine biology, you heard... Southampton College. That was in the news all the time. At the time, Stony Brook really wasn't doing marine right. science. It wasn't there, but you knew about Stony Brook and, I mean, uh, Southampton. So that's that's where I went. It was on the bay. It's you know, it's just you got your hands wet right away. And um, I think that's what's most exciting about this chapter of my life is I'm at a place that meant a lot to me. You know, Southampton College. I have a lot of memories. I met my wife there. We've been married almost 17 years now. Uh, so to be at that college and its next chapter as it's growing, you know, we have a new $10 million marine research lab. Um, it's beautiful. The campus beautiful. is growing. It's coming back to life. The hospital is coming to the campus. So all of a sudden, I'm seeing the campus blooming again and growing. And to be part of that chapter is is super awesome. I'm, I'm super excited if about it. If you go on, on Chris's website or the, the uh, Stony Brook Southampton um, Marine Sciences uh, website, you'll see some great, great videos and pictures of Chris with these wonderful kids, K through 12 kids uh, on the boat, getting firsthand, playing with the mud, picking up these these uh, fish. Uh, how important and how big a role do you think having these young kids, uh, these children out on the boat, and they range from kids to, to teenagers, uh, how important has that been for the education and how about for the community? Is it something, I know it's something it seems like you love doing, but tell oh, me yeah. the impact it's, it's yeah, been for us. I mean, I, I love doing it, you know, and, and where I work with Stony Brook, it's SOMA, School of Marine Atmospheric Sciences. And for us, it serves a couple purposes. You know, we're doing a lot of research on the health of not only our local bays, but worldwide stuff. And if you can get these kids out there on the boat and teach them what we're doing, you know, because a lot of times, you know, the general public's not going to pick up a scientific journal. They're not going to read it. Or if they do, they're probably not going to understand it because it's, a. I mean, I don't understand them half the time and I work with it. But if we can get them out there and physically put a clam in their hand or an oyster or a fish or get them to see whales or dolphins, all of a sudden they're like, wow, now I want to protect the environment. There's all this cool stuff out there. I didn't know scallops had 18 pairs of eyes, you know, uh, that they can swim. Um, you know, that, that we, again, we have white sharks on our waters and all these kind of things that they just didn't know. So all of a sudden now they're wanting to help the environment without having to read those journals. They're getting it. They're understanding it. When we then do a fundraiser to maybe raise money to help the research we're doing, they're more willing to donate because then they're like, all right, I get it. All those clams and oysters, it's important for our environment, the um, way of life, and, and they'll support you. Plus, as a side, again, like you mentioned, most of them are kids. They come out to that boat, and that one opportunity could be the thing that changes their mind, just like me going fishing with my dad. I, you know, I take a kid out on a boat, and they see a whale for the first time. They might be hooked to be like, wow, I want to go for marine science. All of a sudden, there's this guy, Chris. You know, he's 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 working. He's getting paid. He's cool. He's a cool guy. And, right. Yeah, <laughs> and he's getting paid yeah, to right, look right, at whales. Yeah. And maybe I can do that as a career because a lot of times people don't know what to do. You know, kids don't know what to do for a living. So it's a great way for us recruitment for students, you know, and, and uh, career choices. I, you know, and that's I think that's super important as well. Has there been any particular incident or any memorable moment that you can remember with any of these kids that kind of sticks out at you? It's something that said this was really great or this is something we need to do more of or I think this kid's hooked. Is there anything that stands yeah. out? Anything? I mean, I've got I've got a lot of them, that, but one that jumps into my head always, always is uh, I was guiding a, a seal walk. So we're on the beach. 
we had about, you know, a 45 minute walk to get to where the seals hang out. So usually I would just kind of put my backpack on and walk the kids out there. We get there, we talk about seals. But on the way out there, this, these kids, by the way, were from the city. Grew up in, you know, Bronx, I think it was, you know, didn't go to the water. You know, I take it for granted. I grew up on the water. I grew up on Long Island, go on the beach, going crabbing, fishing. So we start walking down the beach and one of the kids picks up a clamshell. Hey, what's this clamshell? What, 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 what's this? Why has it got purple inside? And I'm like, it's just a clamshell, kid. You know, what? And then all of a sudden it clicked. I'm like, this kid's never seen a clamshell. So all of a sudden I pick up the clam. I'm like, who here is eating clams for dinner? Oh, and the hands go up. I'm like, this is what it, what shell. And then I talk about the purple inside, how that was Native Americans used that for wampum. It was a form of currency. All of a sudden that 45 minute walk took an hour and a half yeah. because things that I would just step over because it, you know, I was like, wow, these kids don't get it. And they love the trip. That to me is why I do what I do. You know, I take it for granted. I, I know some of the stuff that's here. I see things, you know, yesterday morning I saw a bald eagle right up, right by the college and, but people don't see that all the time. So if I can try to get that out there. We were talking just before we went on air about teaching science and teaching marine science. Uh, there's nothing like bringing these kids to see it and touch it. I mean, you must see this sort of light bulb effect go up in their, go in their eyes, in their head when they actually can see what they're reading and tell, Talk about how, how important you think that is to the balance of the books they're looking at and how, how different you think it, it is in their, in their growth of, as scientists, possibly. I think it's more important than the books, to be honest with you. I mean, just like I, was, I started the conversation with the, the whales, bubble net feeding, I'd only ever read about that. And it sounded cool, and I saw it on that geo, and like, that's neat. But when you see it in person, there's, there's nothing that can compare to that, a book. You just can't, you can't get that kind of experience. So seeing it firsthand, whether it's in the wild, a zoo, an aquarium, that's totally different than any book or, or TV show can give you. You, know? you love what you do. You've been doing it for many years here and in other places. If, if you could do something differently uh, related to your life's work, what would that be? Another hard question. We like yeah, to, no, just, just to make it. Yeah, no, you know, Not that we want you to leave. We love no, you no. doing what you do, and we don't <laughs> want to change that. Um, whether they were good choices or bad choices, it's, it's what got me where I am today. You know, you grow from your mistakes and everything. But the only thing I guess I could, if I could go back and change was when I was in school. And I hope students that are listening to this take this as do as much as you can before you graduate. So I did. And I took that advice myself and I did three internships when I was in college. I wish I did more study abroad programs. Um, I, I only did one. It was a, four weeks in the South Pacific. You know, oh, it's only the South Pacific. Right. But... Uh, there were so many other opportunities I could have taken advantage of, but I didn't. And the thing is, once you graduate, you can't do that again. You have a job, you have a mortgage, you have this. You can't take off for three months to go to Australia or Madagascar or because Stony Brook offers all these programs. And the students, I, like if I had that opportunity, I would go back and take as many of them as I possibly could just to get those experiences. Great advice. Yeah. Um, you're in a field that obviously involves conservation, you're a naturalist. Uh, is there something that keeps you up at night, maybe, that, that when you're dealing with this all day long and working with creatures that we take for granted, uh, there must be something that must say to you, what, what, what could we do differently as people, uh, as a planet? Uh, yeah. I mean, so there, there is. There's a ton of stuff. But if you follow my writing, my reading, lecturing, all that kind of stuff, I always focus on the positive because you get discouraged if you hear negative and negative and negative and negative. So all my social media, all my work that I do, it's always about the positive. I'll bring up the negative because it's there, but there's one thing that will keep me up okay. and I, I, it, it irks me. And it's the only thing I post about. It's the only negative stuff I'll post about. It's balloons. I hate balloons. Wow. 
So there's a lot of trash in the ocean. We see it. Most of it's there. I want to think out of carelessness. You know, someone dropped something. It blew out of a car, whatever. Almost every balloon that's out there, somebody let go. You know, so they fit, purposely put it in the environment. And when you have animals like, say, the leatherback sea turtle, which is the largest sea turtle in the world, they get to 1,000 pounds or more. They live locally, and they only feed on jellyfish. When they find a balloon, they eat it. They have spines in their throat that go backwards. So when they, so when they grab a jellyfish, they can imagine hold, trying to hold a jellyfish. Yeah. It's not easy. So all of a sudden, they get this balloon. They start swallowing it. They realize it's not a balloon, but they can't spit it back up. They swallow it, and they starve to death. Um, we see that often, a lot, with, with leatherback sea turtles, mola mola, which is also the ocean sunfish, whales, dolphins. Ingestion of, of balloons is a huge problem. And like I said, it's, I get irked about it the most because people physically let them go to celebrate good stuff usually right. birthdays valentines and we were finding valentines we got to come stuff. up with a new thing that's well, they're, I mean, they're yeah, working they have to. they're it's, pushing it they're definitely I mean, how many people don't know this i mean a lot. I, I hope a lot more know this after this podcast yeah. it's something i i've heard about and thought you don't about connect, but there's no connection and that's where yeah. that's why the only reason i post them is to get people to like look at the balloon on the ocean we went out one day we, we were out on my boat for an hour i picked over 50 balloons and that was just in a straight line. I wasn't kind of zigzag. I would have been out there all day picking up balloons. But, but they're always celebrating happy moments. And all they're doing is killing wildlife. Killing wildlife. So it's, it's, like I said, it's the one thing I could push. But it's been growing. There's a lot of momentum. It's, it's now illegal in Suffolk County to, you know, um, to release certain balloons. There's state, they're starting to try this on the state level now. But up until a couple of years ago, it was perfectly legal for me and you to each release 23 balloons per day. And it was legal. If you leave 24, you got a fine. Oh, that's it. 23 is okay. Yeah, that was the number. But it's, it's interesting. But there's momentum. Yeah. Again, but again, okay. it's through public education, letting people be aware of what's going on. I'm sure you tell your students when they're on the boat. I'm sure you don't let them get off the boat without tear <laughs> hearing that from you. Well, and we pick up a lot of balloons yeah. when we're out there. And, um, you know, it's, and it, it, it's a good thing to do. And it just, and then, but it gets you focused on other stuff, you know. But that's my, that's my biggest irk. Uh, it's, it, I think, you know, as I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I think passion is a very important part of what people do. And I think the kids, they're very impressionable. They're on a boat. They're in this amazing facility. You've got this 5,000 square foot facility out of Southampton, which is amazing. You take these kids out of the boat, real hands-on. Uh, it's, uh, it's magic. And I think, you know, when they come back, I remember my kids growing up. Um, I've got a grand, I've got two grandkids now. But I remember my, my kids coming home and when these kinds of experiences happen to them, uh, they absolutely multiply them, like you said, sure. looking at the books. So if, if you were mentoring an impressionable Chris Paparo uh, in grade school or high school, um, what would the modern-day Chris Paparo advise him? I would, uh, same thing. I would Other say, than going on, we know about your... Well, yeah. Doing those, <laughs> going uh, let's go places. younger, let's go younger, let's well, yeah. go younger. Follow your dreams. It's, as silly as it... it you know, I don't want to say silly, but you hear that a lot. I'll follow your dream, follow your dream. But when I was younger... Nobody supported me about marine science. My parents were the only ones that did. My guidance counselors, teachers said, you're being a fool for going to the marine science. Yeah, you like to go fishing, but there's no jobs, there's no career, there's no future. You're wasting your time. My parents were the only ones that kind of gave me that reinforcement. Like, if this is what you want to do and make you happy, make it happen. And I feel like I've done that. But if I didn't, if I listened to those guidance counselors, I might have, who knows what I would have done. See, that kids listen to your parents, okay? That's the point here. Yeah. And follow what, what you want to do. Yeah. If, you, if you want something bad enough, you'll get there. You know, whether it's working with great white sharks or working with orcas or what, you know, those are the high end in the marine science world. You can get there. You just have to, you want it. You have to want it, you know, and, and 
not telling anyone that you can't do well, it. Well, talking to your colleagues and your students out at Southampton and, and just seeing the faces of these elementary school kids, uh, you're doing an amazing job out there. And and we're so grateful that Stoderick has this kind of energy and passion because you can't you can't teach that. Uh, and the kids feel it. They feed off of that. They feed they feed off it. Do. Let's see yeah, another Kyle, one of these I puns. Like, I like what you did there. Uh, thanks for spending the time with us today on Beyond the Expected. It's been a pleasure having Chris Paparo on. And I look forward to getting out there. And I'm not going to throw any balloons out. I'm okay. done. I'm done with balloons. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Very cool. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. <laughs>